So, hello. My name is Michael Thornburg. I'm one of the elders here at Greenbelt. And Pastor Kevin has been taking us through a series on 2 Corinthians, and we're almost at the end of that series. This week, we're continuing Paul's writings, and we've moved on to chapter 10. And here, Paul takes a dramatic shift in his approach to the Corinthians in this chapter. Previously, he's written about his defense of being an apostle. He's written of his authority from God to speak as he has and to refute the people speaking against him. But suddenly, it's quite a shift. Suddenly in chapter 10, he begins a more vigorous defense of his right to speak as an apostle. And he speaks of a battle we are all forced to face, a battle we are all facing. Let's read the text to see what it says. So I'm reading again from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the first six verses. So by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. By the way, he's talking sarcastically there against the false prophets who claim he's, he's a weak man. So he says, I'm bold and I'm timid at the same time. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Lord, for this passage. Thank you that uh, Paul has expressed his passion for waging war against those things that are confusing people in the Corinthian church. We pray, Lord, that you would imbue in our hearts what you have for us by your Holy Spirit, that we may understand this passage and we may have an application for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul uses some strong and shocking language in this passage. He writes of having to speak boldly toward those who are criticizing him, and he speaks of waging war against strongholds in the Corinthian church. This is the only time that we've seen in Paul's letter that he speaks of waging war. I can think of some military people in the church whose ears have just pricked up. Now, I don't know what, really what it means to prick up ears. Some people can wiggle their ears. I can't do that. But I can see some of these military women and men are getting excited. Wow, there's a war to be fought at Greenbelt? I'm in. Paul's words are very strong. And the battle is raging. There's a battle raging in the church at Corinth. What is the battle and how is Paul going to fight it? So Paul is battling against what he calls arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So a pretension is a claim or assertion about something that sets itself up, that grips your life against the knowledge of God. So it's something strong, setting itself up, some kind of a truth that's very strong, very uh, yeah, gripping, because it's gripping the lives of the Corinthians. 
And Paul calls, calls these things strongholds because it challenges their faith. So what is a stronghold? And one definition is a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld or a place fortified against attack. So once again, a stronghold is a place where a particular cause or belief is upheld and a place fortified against attack. So it's something that's very strong, something that, that's ingrained in the Corinthian church. It's fortified against attack. It's not easily broken, not e easily changed. That's a stronghold. And the New Living Translation calls these strongholds strongholds of human reasoning or false arguments and every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. The Message Translation calls them that entirely massively corrupt culture. And there it is. There's the heart of Paul's argument. He wants to destroy strongholds. And isn't that what his passion is in all the letters he's written? His passion is to see people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he wants in this letter to destroy the thinking patterns in the church that keep people from knowing God and from growing in their faith. That's his passion. That's what he's longing to do in this letter. Because these strongholds twist the faith of the Corinthians into believing a dis different gospel that Paul has preached. So it's not a dramatically different gospel. They're, these strongholds talk about Jesus and what he's done and, and what they can ap apprehend from him. But there's some twisting going on. There's some lies. There's some deceit. There's some confusion. And it can cause quite a difference in the Corinthians' understanding of what Scripture means. So this is warfare, warfare for the minds and the hearts of people against strongholds, those patterns of thought that are very hard to break because they're embedded in the church and they found a welcome audience and a place where they can fester and grow in the fertile soil of babies in the faith. So these, this Corinthians church is young. There's the, uh, they've just become Christians, many of them. And you know, as a new believer, you're searching for new information. You're trying to find other people who have, who can feed into you, can speak into you, can, they can learn more about what it, what the gospel of Jesus Christ really means. And these strongholds are confusing them. They're twisting their minds, they're twisting their hearts, and causing them confusion. So we come to our big idea, and the big idea is quite simply that we need to destroy those things that keep people from knowing God, to destroy those things that keep people from knowing God. And I wonder if you have seen ways of thinking in churches that have drawn you away from the true heart of Scripture. Have you seen in churches, other churches, ways of thinking that you have drawn you away from the true heart of Scripture? Maybe it was the first time you attended a church when you became a Christian, and you took for granted that everything they taught was true and correct, according to the teaching of Jesus. I know as a new young Christian, I was open to believe that everything I heard from a more mature believer was true. And as I matured and studied the Bible for myself, I found that some of their beliefs were a little off, were a little off. And it took me some kind time to adjust my thinking and way of life to follow and obey what I read in Scripture. And this is a small case of a stronghold of belief that doesn't have, didn't have that much effect over my life. 
but I had believed that it was true. And it is hard to replace when you take for granted that, that if it's strongly enough established in your life, it's hard to break and, and change your mind. So Paul goes, goes on to say in verse 3 that we do not wage war as the world does. We don't wage war like we see it in the world. Because the false prophets in the church are trying to sway people away from the pure gospel of Christ. And over time, these people influence the church toward their way of thinking. And then those thinking patterns in the church develop again that they're very hard to break. So let's look at some ways that strongholds of the world wage war for the hearts and minds of their hearers. So first of all, the strongholds of the world... (laughs) They wage war according to the flesh. According to the flesh, they wage war for the hearts and minds of their hearers according to the flesh. And they appeal to the flesh. They appeal to what we do for God. We feel, they feel, hey, we need to do something to make God happy. We need to do, to help him along in his work. Jesus has done so much for us on the cross. We need to do more for him. We need to go ahead of him. Hey, here's a great idea. Let's go out and plan it and to save Jesus the trouble of leading us that way. We're just going to do it ourselves. But it's according to the flesh. It's legalism. It's not following the Holy Spirit in, in truth. And secondly, the ways of the world lay on the Corinthians, lay on the church legal requirements for their faith. Do this. Do that. Don't do this. You know, don't. I think we've all seen that. I don't want to uh, illustrate it particularly, but but rules and regulations that can hold us down then can uh, make us feel bad because we can't ultimately follow along with what those rules require. Have you seen a battle in the church against the flesh like that where the desire to do good things for God has failed because God was not a part of it? And admittedly, it is a challenge to seek God's will in all our work. It is a challenge to listen to God's voice, to hear what he's doing, to hear where he wants us to go, where the desire to do good things for God has failed because God was not a part of it. I have seen many ministry endeavors start up with a lot of energy and then fail. I wonder if they failed because they were not ones that God had his hand on from the beginning. And for those people working toward that goal, they left and they ended up feeling discouraged and defeated and confused and maybe angry at God. It left them in a bad place because they they launched off on a program that God was not part of. So the, the world wants us to follow according to the flesh, to legalism, to things that we want to do for ourselves and not that God is leading us into. So secondly, the strongholds of the world wage war according to human standards, what society thinks is the right way to live. And someone from Greenbelt said to me this week that COVID has brought us into a war. COVID-19 has brought us into a war. It's not only a war to find the best the best way to avoid avoid the infection. It's not the best way to find an antidote. It's not the best way to find a vaccine. But we're in a war nonetheless. And for us in the church, 
there seems to be a war of words about the best way to meet together during these difficult times, and I've seen it myself. I'm not talking about us at Greenbelt, but I'm talking about the war reaching across churches, reaching across denominations. Sometimes what churches do may not be against Scripture, but it may go against the grain of what we expect the church to be. It's hard for us as church members to adjust to seeing one another from a distance and not being face-to-face. It's a war among believers, and no doubt the enemy is taking a part of that, trying to stir us up against one another. We can also look at social media, and we can see that having a huge influence on our lives because it gives us contradictory messages, it brings confusion and anxiety, and it lures us. It lures us by setting before us our longings, our desires for new things, our dreams, and offers solutions how we can gain those things, but they're never according to the Word of God. They're always according to human standards, and they leave us lost because, again, we can't really achieve achieve what we want, and the temptations they give are highly addictive. We get sucked in, we get sucked into those things. I know I have, and it's hard to break free. And the next way that strongholds of the world, they form thinking patterns that wage war against us. I'm thinking of the U.S. election, for example, waging war for the adherence of their followers at any cost. uh, Being a Republican or a Democrat just draws you into that dissension, forcing you to take a side, and it's forcing you to wage war against others that you would normally love. There are secular evangelists and I use this term loosely, who appeal to the hearts and minds of the organizations they belong to in order to sway people to their side. So they use advertising, for example, influencing us to believe some product is far better than another. Could some of the ads be keeping people away from God? Very possibly. And on the Christian side of things, perhaps you've heard Christian evangelists on TV requiring more of us than just faith in Christ for salvation. More than faith in Christ for success. Paul would call some of them false apostles who live by the standards of the world. These worldly weapons have a harmful effect on the church, on the hearts and minds of their hearers, because it leads us to believe that if I'm not happy, then I leave. If I'm not happy then I'm going to find an alternative. And at Greenbelt, I've seen on more than one occasion families who've joined the church and made good friends in the body. They participated in leadership only to leave suddenly because of a disagreement, leaving the work that they were involved in leaderless and struggling. Some ministries did not recover for many years from the shock of their departure. They In many cases, they were not living Christ-like lives in humility and faithfulness to the gospel, and other people were swayed by their friendship and hurt by their abrupt departure. So the strongholds of the world form thinking patterns that wage war against us. And finally, these strongholds wage war against themselves, within ourselves. 
First Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sexual desires which wage war, sinful desires, pardon me, which wage war against your soul. They're constantly battling against the flesh that wants to follow its own rules. For example, there's often strongholds in people's lives resulting from pain and loss in the past which rise to the surface and stir up fear and anger and pain in the present. So things that have happened to people in the past has have risen up later in life, changing their life the way they are, and causing pain and anger, fear, anxiety in the present. And they often don't know where the source came from. And as well, you can be sure the enemy is active to trying, trying to cause as much disharmony and confusion as he can. Have you ever sensed that you've been in a spiritual battle? Perhaps you've sensed, as I have, spiritual forces at work when I prepare to pray strategically against the work of the enemy in our church and in our community, or when preparing to serve in the ministry of the church. There can be opposition for doing things that were simple to do before. I find confusion and anxiety reigning at home. I break things, things break. Work is harder to get done. And so many small things happen at once that I know this is not a coincidence. The enemy's involved. The enemy's just hassling us. He can't cause permanent harm, but he can hassle us and make us feel, hey, I don't really want to carry out that ministry again. It's causing me too much trouble. But we need to be steadfast. So, waging war, as the world does, how do we wage war as the world was? Well, the world uh, wages according to the flesh, according to human standards, and it forms thinking patterns that wage war against us. And the spiritual battles that are involved in the process as well. So how do we wage, for, wage war? So verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this isn't acting according to the flesh or by our own strength or by the, by the standards of the world. We're waging war with weapons of divine power, demolishing arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul talks about waging war with weapons of divine power, not weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. So again, our big idea, destroy those things that keep people from knowing God. So divine power to pull down arguments, or the NLT calls them strongholds of human reasoning. Of the false prophets and people will often try to reason their way into heaven by creating their own rules of living arguments to try to defend the faith or defend come again they'll they want to come to God and say hey I've led a good life I deserve to get into heaven why not me 
And Paul wants to bring down those arguments. We want to destroy those thoughts that keep people from knowing God. So we destroy them. How do we do that? By using Scripture. We use Scripture to defend the faith. And that is why at Greenbelt, we hold the Word of God in such high regard as the ultimate guide for living. And we must learn how to defend the faith against secular reasoning, against this secular, the secular reasoning that occurs in the world that claims that we can reach heaven, we can be accepted to God by our own strength. We learn, we use scripture in the word of God to defend against that. So those are arguments. Secondly, there's divine power to pull down imaginations. So imaginations are thoughts made against Christ. So we need to make all our thoughts, all those imagination thoughts, obedient to Christ and following along with what Christ wants to do in our lives. And Wilda and I have spoken to many people who have been taught lies about Jesus in order to keep them from the faith. They've been taught lies and, and twisting the truth of the gospel. And the most powerful way to break free, break free from those lies is to hear the Holy Spirit speak to their minds directly. God is anxious to reveal his true self to people, and we can guide others to reach out to God. We can guide others, show people the way, pray with them, and allow the Holy Spirit to work, to speak into their lives and find the truth directly from Jesus. Finally, we wage war using these weapons of divine power, uh, wage war against the pretension against God, false truths about God that, that the Corinthian churches have been witnessing. And again, the message says, these are barriers erected against the truth of God. And I'm sure you've heard of people saying that they've uh, tried the church before and they see they're only hypocrites, not practicing what they preach. They believe incorrectly that people become perfect when they come to faith. Of course, we don't become perfect when we come to faith, but we are forgiven. It's a barrier erected against the truth of God that is common in society. So our faith is not based on religion, what to do or not to do, but on a relationship with Jesus who forgives our sins and brings us into the family of God just as we are. Perhaps you've heard stories in the path about in the past about faith in Christ that you now realize are not true. You can decide right now where you are, whatever you're doing to receive Jesus into your heart, to believe in him, to receive his forgiveness. You just need to pray a simple prayer, asking Jesus into your life and asking him to accept you as God's child. A prayer just like this, Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the way I have lived my life. I've missed the mark. I've missed the mark of how you intended me to live. Please come into my life, forgive me, and change my heart. Please come into my life, forgive me, and change my heart. And God will answer that prayer, and Jesus will enter your heart, and you will sense the Holy Spirit empowering you. So if you've prayed a prayer like that, please click the button on the screen. Pastor Kevin would love to send you some information to get you started on your new walk with Jesus.
So finally, what is our battle plan? We've looked at what the world does. We need, we can see that with the power of God, we can, uh, with the divine power, we can, we can uh, come against those things of the world. But for us personally, what's our plan? What do we do? And first of all, we pray. We can, we can pray. And Paul, over and over in his letters to the Gentiles, to the churches, says that he prays for them. He prays for them while he's with them. He prays for them when he's apart. He prays for them in his letters. He's constantly praying for them, asking that God would move in a powerful way to encourage them, to provide them with power, to provide them with understanding of the word, to encourage one another and to grow in their faith. We can pray as well. That's part of our battle plan. We pray for our church against the strongholds set in place for it. Where are the strongholds coming from? Well, from the world, from our community, from our city, from our country, and even from within the church, from within the church, to discredit or dismiss or to hide the work of God around us. We pray that the truth of Christ is revealed in the word, in the world. And we pray and worship. We worship as well, and we pray in worship through music and singing. And I love to sing some of the wonderful worship songs that declare the character of God, that declare what God has done in my heart and how he's changed me. And I love especially the worship songs that pray directly to God. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear as we pray directly up to the Lord and we pray and worship. Just beautiful. And many years ago, I've heard of a church in Ottawa that was experiencing significant spiritual attack through a number of members in the church. These people came together to discredit the leadership and the pastor and sought to bring great harm to the church. But a group of people, a group of discerning people, who were aware of what was going on spiritually, got together and banded together to pray. And God came through in dramatic ways, and people and the people causing the problem eventually left. They had failed in their attempt to divide the church. God had come through for that church, and the church was victorious over these people. But think of your life group as well. Your life group can have the same effect when you join forces in prayer. God wants us to take on injustice where we see it and bring it to the Lord in prayer. You can pray against issues that the thing that are affecting your members of the group. You can pray for individuals in the group and what they're struggling with. And you can take on other issues in the world and the community that you find uh, together. And you can pray about these things because the power of prayer in your life group will be amazing. So that's the first step in our battle plan is to pray. So the second part of our battle plan is to speak the word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Paul calls the word of God the sword of the spirit in Ephesians 6. So we're talking about battling. And now we're looking is, what's the battle? How can we use the word? It is the sword of the spirit. It's one of those instruments of battle that is very effective. 
So we can battle with this, this strong sword, the word of God, against arguments in the church. We use the sword in our battle we, because the enemy does not want us to speak those truths about Jesus. The, the truths that, that the word of God teaches us about, about, the, about Jesus, about uh, living the Christian life. Those are the things that we need to come forward and bring forward and speak out when we find uh, a battle, a battle against the enemy, a battle against untruths. I don't know if you ever had to defend your faith. Have you spent time sharing your faith with people and having to, to defend it? And it just reminds me of Wilda and I have led alpha programs in the past, which have introduced people to Jesus and the Bible. We've heard lots of interesting and challenging stories in those in those meetings and questions, but it really is a great opportunity to look at your faith and say, why do I believe these things? You know, have a defense for your faith, have scripture ready to to speak against or, or give an answer to people who come up to you and say, gee, why do you believe that? It seems kind of crazy. Why is why is this God? Do you really believe God created the universe? Didn't it wasn't the universe just going on forever? What about you know, what about creation? Is there really a, a single day of creation or seven days? I mean, there's so many issues that are floating in society that people use to as excuses not to believe scripture. And we need to study those. We need to have a response to people that we can give. And we use the word of God to give those responses. And finally, our battle plan, what's, we, we pray, we use the word of God, and finally, we're faithful to Christ. We protect our own hearts as well. And Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his, and in his mighty power. We use, the, we use God's mighty power in our hearts by the Holy Spirit to be strong in the Lord, to protect our hearts against untruths and false, false truths that can come against us. And how do we do that? Well, we spend time with God. We spend time in the Word. We pray. And, gee, we seem to have more time than ever now in this COVID time. Find a secret place where you can meet with God, a quiet place away from others where you can take a few minutes each day and get to know God and meet with Him. Or attend a life group. A life group is wonderful. I've, uh, I have, I'm attending two life groups, actually, and... Uh, I'm pretty vulnerable in both of them, I think. Well, I, you'd have to ask some of the members of the group if that's true. But I do tend a lot of to share a lot of personal feelings in that group, and I'm fairly honest, I think. I try to be anyway. But they pray for me, and I've seen those prayers being answered. And there's the wonderful fellowship we have and encouragement and comfort of being together with others in a life group. So that's important. And as well, don't forget to keep your soul nourished. Keep coming to hear uh, regular sermons on Sunday, to hear the Word of God, to be challenged in our faith, and to learn new things about God. We don't want to neglect that part of our lives either. And if there's ways we can serve in these difficult COVID times, then take advantage of that. So we want to take captive 
every thought that we have to be obedient to Christ in self-control and in in uh, just immersing ourselves with God as as much as we can. So I wonder if there are strongholds in your life that you have not submitted to Christ. Are there any strongholds there that need to be submitted to God? And remember, our big idea is to, we want to destroy those things. We want to destroy those strong strongholds that keep us, that keep others from knowing God. So what war? We're at battle. We're at a battle, just as the Corinthians were in a battle in their church. There's a battle going on around us as well. And what war is God, God calling you to fight? Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we worship you today. We thank you that you have a battle plan for us and you've equipped us with prayer, with the sword of the Spirit. You've equipped us with the power of God in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And just empower us with that. Allow us, help us to understand how we can appropriate those, those things in our walk with you, Lord and in the fight we have, in the battle in this life. Because uh, it's such a joy to see you winning the battle, and you win the battle through us as we draw on your power. Have a good day. In Jesus' name, amen.